0: Book Seven, Chapter Four, of The Female Quixote, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Female Quixote, Volume Two, by Charlotte Lennox. Book Seven, Chapter Four in which one of our heroine's whims is justified by some others full as whimsical. This piece of history, with Sir Charles's remarks upon it, brought them into Bath. Their lodgings being provided beforehand, the ladies retired to their different chambers, to repose themselves after the fatigue of their journey, and did not meet again till supper was on table. When Miss Glanville, who had eagerly inquired what company was then in the place, and heard there were a great many persons of fashion just arrived, pressed Arabella to go to the pump-room the next morning, assuring her she would find a very agreeable amusement. Arabella accordingly consented to accompany her, and being told the ladies went in an undress of a morning, she accommodated herself to the custom, and went in a negligent dress, But instead of a capuchin, she wore something like a veil of black gauze, which covered almost all her face and part of her waist, and gave her a very singular appearance. Miss Glanville was too envious of her cousin's superiority in point of beauty to inform her of any oddity in her dress, which she thought might expose her to the ridicule of those that saw her and mr glanville was too little a critic in ladies apparel to be sensible that arabella was not in the fashion and since everything she wore became her extremely he could not choose but think she dressed admirably well he handed her therefore with a great deal of satisfaction into the pump-room which happened to be greatly crowded that morning the attention of most part of the company was immediately engaged by the appearance Lady Bella made. Strangers are here most critically criticized, and every new object affords a delicious feast of raillery and scandal. The ladies, alarmed by the singularity of her dress, crowded together in parties, and the words, Who can she be? Strange creature! Ridiculous! and other exclamations of the same kind, were whispered very intelligibly. The men were struck by her figure, veiled as she was. Her fine stature, the beautiful turn of her person, the grace and elegance of her motion, attracted all their notice. The phenomena of the veil, however, gave them great disturbance. So lovely a person seemed to promise the owner had a face not unworthy of it, but that was totally hid from their view for Arabella at her entrance into the room, had pulled the gauze quite over her face, following therein the custom of the ladies of Clelia and the grand Cyrus, who in mixed companies always hid their faces with great care. The wits and pretty fellows railed at the envious covering and compared her to the sun obscured by a cloud, while the bow dimmed the horrid innovation and expressed a fear lest it should grow into a fashion Some of the wiser sort took her for a foreigner. Others, of still more sagacity, supposed her a Scots lady, covered with her plaid. And a third sort, infinitely wiser than either, concluded she was a Spanish nun that had escaped from a convent and had not yet quitted her veil. Arabella, ignorant of the diversity of opinions to which her appearance gave rise, was taken up in discoursing with Mr. Glanville upon the medicinal virtue of the springs, the economy of the baths, the nature of the diversions, and such other topics as the objects around them furnished her with. In the meantime, Miss Glanville was got amidst a crowd of her acquaintance, who had hardly paid the civilities of a first meeting, before they eagerly inquired who that lady she brought with her was miss glanville informed them that she was her cousin and daughter to the deceased marquis of adding with a sneer that she had been brought up in the country knew nothing of the world and had some very peculiar notions as you may see said she by that odd kind of covering she wears her name and quality were presently whispered all over the room the men hearing she was a great heiress found greater beauties to admire in her person. The ladies, awed by the sanction of quality, dropped their ridicule on her dress, and began to quote examples of whims full as inexcusable. One remembered that Lady J.T. always wore her ruffles reversed, that the Countess of Blank went to court in a farthingale, that the Duchess of blank sat astride upon a horse. And a certain lady of great fortune, and nearly allied to quality, because she was not dignified with a title, invented a new one for herself, and directed her servants to say in speaking to her, Your honoress, which afterwards became a custom among all her acquaintance, who morally offended her, if they omitted that instance of respect end of book seven chapter four